Welcome to the Championship Club podcast. I'm your host, Michael Casey, and co-hosting with me is a man with over 300 Championship Rugby appearances. It's Ben Gulliver. Be sure to check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and head to YouTube to like and subscribe to the channel. Before we kick off today's episode, I'd like to say a big thank you to our brand new and shiny sponsor, Trojan Engineering Fabrication, part of the MFH Group, and you can check them out at mfhire.co.uk. So we are back on the Championship Clubs podcast and the regular season is now over. All that remains are the two-legged playoff between Saris and Ealing Trailfinders. Uh, ben, um, final round of fixtures has always thrown up some interesting results, some that have gone to form and uh, yeah, just I think a competitive final round of fixtures to uh, to round off the season. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it was. And you've just thrown me there by calling me Ben. I don't think you've done that yet. So. <laughs> But yeah, so going back to it, yeah, the fixtures-wise, very close, weren't they, this weekend? Um, obviously got the big final to look forward to. Um, just run through them. Bedford getting their first win over Ampton in the Championship, which would be a surprise to a lot of people, but that's the first time they've actually got a W over there. They're local rivals in the league, um, so fair play to Bedford. Um, I know they celebrated well, um, but Ampton have had a, another steady year in the league, haven't they? So fair play to Ampton. Uh, Seem like they're they're here to stay in the championship, which is good for those guys and 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 the people involved at that rugby club. Um, and I'll go second down my list. The one that makes me laugh is the Surrey Harper game. That was the closest one of the weekend because it was a draw. So um, I'm not sure how they came up with that one, but it's uh, it is what it is. I, I'm not sure we've heard the last of that. No, no, and I think I think it's right for Saris to appeal it. I know it probably won't affect the outcome of the league, but I just think that there's a line in the, the T's and C's of the competition about integrity, and I'm not sure that result has that. So, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one because I was I, was, I bumped into some Saris fans on Sunday watching the women's prem final, and they were they were as baffled as everybody else. So, who knows on that one? Um, we'll move on. We could go on all day about that. Uh, Richmond, Cov. Richmond struggling again. Cov getting a bigger way win. Uh, looking at their Instagrams, they look like they've had a good time since as well. So good on those lads at Cov. Uh, and then Jersey with the hoodoo um, on Pirates still by the looks of it. I know Pirates have managed to win over there at, one, at some point. But then Jersey picking up a good tight win against Pirates. And they, like I said, they seem to do really well against Pirates, especially, especially on the island. Um, and then we've got the final fixture, haven't we? So I'll, I'll hand you over for that one, which was another another tight game. But um, I'll, I'll leave you to introduce our guest for that. Yeah, so the final fixture of the weekend, Doncaster Knights versus Nottingham. From uh, my perspective, delighted to say that Doncaster battled to get a bonus point win, 29-24. And to talk about the weekend's result and much, much more, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Doncaster Knights head coach, Steve Bowden. Bodes, how are you getting on? And uh, now you've had a chance to reflect and to, to dry out from the weekend. Uh, what did you make of the, the Nottingham game? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I had to get rid of my, my thick head on, on Sunday morning for a few beers uh, after the game, which was uh, was nice. It was good. Um, yeah, probably had a look at it. Um, I think, first and foremost, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Nottingham. I thought they were really good. Um, I thought they came and they played, you know, it was last game of the season. And I think they, they showed a lot of desire. Um, obviously Neil Falks was probably his last game in charge I think that probably emotionally charged him a little bit and, and rightly so he's been a really good servant to the club but uh, I thought they played some really good stuff um, and I think we probably weren't where we, where, we, where we wanted to be probably more mentally than anything um, and we, we we didn't really I think it was one of those games where we just tried to do enough all the time if they scored we tried to we get revved up and we go back and we score and 
it's one of those sort of games really but yeah, first and foremost you don't want to take any credit away from Nottingham I thought they were really good on the day so uh, we're happy to to scrape over the line last last play of the game and that's probably how the game went, it, went you know, it was yo-yo to and fro and we seemed to pick it up a little bit of energy every time we needed to um, which isn't where we've been all year but um, you know as I say a win's a win and uh, it, was, it was a good end to, end to the year or the season as such No it's just um, looking looking from the outside and looking at your your season this year you've had a, you've had a great year uh, finishing third in the league now there's been some tight ones in there haven't there over the, over the whole season I think the first one at Amtel was a tight one and what sort of have you, have you just crept through or has there has been a bit real shift from, from last season to this season into into that sort of mentality side of Donnie, Donnie coming through those tight games I think it's a really good point it's an issue uh, Gully I think I think um, I'd say and this is not disrespect to opposition I think that the games that we have won tightly I feel like we've had massive parts of the game where we've dominated now end of the day you've got to score points dominating is great you've got to score points and we've probably been guilty of that of like not turning as early on in the year not turning that sort of pressure into points and that's why the games became so close like I think you know Amptel away, I think really in the first 30 minutes should have been, you know, we should have four or five like obvious opportunities where we should have scored. Um, and credit to Amptel, that sort of side, they just dig in, they don't let go um, and, they, and they keep pestering away at you. They're, they're paying, the, paying the backside, do you know what I mean? But um, it came down to sort of a, a last minute win. But yeah, I think what I would say is is that the resilience the boys have shown, I think the way that we've gone and we've recruited this year, we've gone like a more younger, hungrier, so a more ambitious mindset. Is is that they you know they never went off task they never they never panicked I think some of the you know for a young group some of those games are could have quite easily chased or tried to do something differently and they just stuck to their task really well I think and that's great to some of the the, the coaching staff with Joe and Nathan uh, Smith and Joe Ford I think they they've done a really great job in, in keeping them uh, and working with them on that but I think it just comes down to that hunger and desire I think uh, and having that younger younger sort of age demographic has definitely helps us scrape over the line in those games but I think we're fully aware and you know I'm probably I'm a moody Yorkshireman anyway but I think it's like you, you don't get too far ahead of yourself and you've got to keep your feet on the ground and we have finished third this year it's been an unbelievable achievement for the club um, but you know there's probably three or four games there where we've won by a score and we all know they could go the opposite way very easily by it a decision from a referee uh, or, or the bounce of the ball so you know we're, we're in full you know we're fully aware that if we want to try and get anywhere near where we are this year again we're going to have to be working extremely hard and be even better next year With um, with sort of next year in mind and sort of the way the league's being structured and with, with the finances that have changed. Is there, or has there been a shift in sort of recruitment strategy at Donny um, from, you've obviously mentioned an age an age thing there. Is it is that a conscious thing the club's made to, to see you through this this challenging period? And without being too controversial, it is a challenging period, we're not shy of that. And is it a slightly different approach to the players you're looking to bring in? Uh, a little bit, uh, I would say, I'll say it's a little bit, but we can't go and get like, what I'd like to do is blend it with like some some experience. A little bit I've got this year, we've got some experience and we've got a lot of young guys and we're probably not going to miss a little bit of experience next year. Um, but at some point we've got to make that change. You know, there's some guys like Charlie who's been there, he's 37 now and he's been trucking along forever. I'm sure you've had plenty of battles along the, on, the, on the way with him, but you know, we, at some point that's got to change uh, and you can't be scared of it. But um, I would say that it definitely helps that, you know, you've got, the younger age demographic for us, you haven't got, you know, a lot of these guys haven't got house to pay for. They haven't got kids. They haven't got mortgage. 
so they do fit within the budgets that we that we run at Donny now. And you know, our budget at Donny has been massively, massively scaled back over the last twelve months. Um, it's it's nothing that's unordinary to me. I've worked with this this sort of budget before when I've been at Jersey, um, and you just got to be smart. And I think you've also got to trust your eye that you're not going to get. I got you know, I talked to the staff now. I've got two young staff underneath me who are very, very, very good coaches, but you're not going to get the proven article. You're going to get somebody that something is massively wrong with them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But what is the other stuff that outweighs it? And the thing that they've got a, an error in the game around, can we work on that and get him to where he needs to get to? Yeah. Uh, and also, we like to look at people saying, like, could we get him to the next level? Has he got the potential to get to Premiership Rugby? Uh, and if the answer is there is potential to do that, then that's something that we'll, be, we'll, we'll take the punt on. Uh, if, if it's a case of going, I prefer to take someone like that gully than somebody that's gone right. He's thirty-two. He's coming here just to just to pay his mortgage, and um, he's not that bothered, you know. And we've been really lucky because some of the older guys we've had this year just love playing rugby. Yeah, which I think I think you touched on when you went to Hamilton. Yeah, you got uh, back and you got that. And now I think you need that. You either need to love playing rugby, like Matt Challoner will be playing rugby, I reckon, when he's fifty-five. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, I would play in the locker, mate. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? You either, you either love playing rugby or you're doing it to get onto another level. Yeah. Um, I think, and that's what we, we, we try to think about doing. So you're either really good for the environment, like your Charles and stuff, your Ben Hunters, or you, you, you're young, you're hungry, ambitious, and you want to come here, put in, and, and move on, which we're, we're all aware of and we're happy with. Mate, and we're all aware, like, I was probably a little bit guilty of it or being involved with, with taking a, a contract that you shouldn't really. Yeah. take the wrong reasons and but the thing is there's no other option but I think because there's a lot more awareness around the potential sort of exit out of rugby now um, you're a little bit more open to to change and to moving into a different type of rugby to enjoy the enjoy the product enjoy what you do every day and take the job alongside it if you're like you say if you're knocking on like at the late stage of your career and you're taking contracts for the wrong reasons then it really affects not only the person that's doing it but it's also the group dynamic isn't it and that's yeah. something that head coach you'll have to be aware of is you don't want mercenaries they're out there yeah because they ruin the group dynamic and when it gets tough you know where they go missing more often than not so I think you got to go up front with them when you are recruiting as well. Because I think like we we're prepared to have a nice conversation here. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, look, you know, there's there's some guys where it's look, you're you you're not in the you know the the younger part of your career, but I do feel you can come here and you can have a you can have some fun. I think sometimes as well, even like Premiership rugby and down, we work extremely hard here at Doncaster. Like we train very very hard, and that's why we probably got some good results this year. But I feel like we've got a good balance of that. I think we have a lot of fun as well. Um, you know, I think it's important that, you know, beer is not the devil. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You can have a beer, train hard, and you can still you can still get success. You can you can have a bit of fun in between, Do you know what I mean, sessions. You can have fun in the session. You just gotta be able to flip the switch and just crack on with it. And uh, you know, as long as you as long as you're giving your all and you're trying to progress and the team's doing, you know, and try to progress the team, then I don't see why it should be um a job that you shouldn't enjoy. And I think sometimes there's too much pressure put on it where it's like, oh, we need to be top four or, or we need to, um, I need to get a premiership contract in a year's time. It's like, you really, you shouldn't be thinking about that. What you should be thinking about is you've got a great job, enjoy it. And I think COVID actually helped us this year, Gully, yeah. because we actually came in and just said like, we've had this taken away from us for quite a long time. That was one of the first things we talked about as a group. But it's like, look, at, this, at one point it was like, oh, it's going to start. It's not going to start. It's this, it's that. 
And we just sort of touched her and went, look, whatever happens, it happens. We can't do much about it, but let's just make sure that every day we have, let's just enjoy it. And we are going to work hard. And there's some things that you might not enjoy more than others, but find a way of enjoying it. Uh, as a group, but I think we, and I think without COVID, would we have adopted that mindset as a coach? Would as it definitely helps me around that area of of coaching and keeping the side, you know, keeping the side upbeat. I, I would definitely say it's definitely changed the way that I've done stuff, and I, and for a positive way, I think it made me a lot better in that area. We've uh, talked, and we we go through. There's obviously been eleven teams in the league this year. Hopefully. 12 next year and each side has sort of like adopted their uh, their strategy for the season and how they're going to go about it sort of listening to what you said there bodes in our conversations previously um at the moment and for as long as hopefully we'll we we will see Doncaster are going to stay full time um it sounds like the sort of you position yourself in a way that you're telling lads to come in enjoy your rugby here and you know if you do do a couple of seasons and if you do a good job here that's your stepping stone and then you go on there's maybe not the budget to, uh, to to be a wealthy man for playing would be at Doncaster, but the opportunity and the coaching that you're going to get put into you, that's what we're, that's what we're kind of saying the investment is. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, look, like one of the first conversations I have with lads, I'm like, I can't offer you a life-changing money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So if you come in here for, for money, well, you come in for the wrong reasons because you can you can go and earn more money, get a job, I imagine. Now, they're quite hard to come by these days, but you can. Um, what I can offer you is I can offer you an environment that challenges you. And I think when you get challenged, I think you you grow as a person. When you grow as a person, you usually have a bit, you have fun. Uh, we'll have a good crack on the way. Uh, and if at the end of that you play some outstanding rugby for that for Doncaster and the team goes well, then there's a good chance that you're going to get your individual reward. And one thing we have done here is we don't make any shame in it. Look, I, I want to coach in the Premiership. That's what I want to do, um, and I want the people that have got the the, the same mindset as myself. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're gonna have a bit of a crack on the way, but we do want to kick on in, in our careers and don't hide away from that. You know what I mean? But just also don't put too much pressure on it either. Like I said, there's no point putting all that pressure on it, not getting there and thinking, well, I could have been having a bit of fun there as well. Yeah, you could have done. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's that's the main the main message is you come here, you put in. Two years, we'll get a lot of time as a, a coaching. We'll, you'll get a lot of individual time, and uh, and hopefully that moves on to better stuff. And and like I said to the lads, the worst case scenario, you come here, you enjoy your time, and you have five, six, seven years, yeah, and you play a great game. You, you're playing rugby for a living, and you know it's opened up a lot of other doors, you know, opportunities um, for the later stage of your career because rugby does that if you're smart enough. And that's the worst case scenario you're looking at. When you put it in that perspective, I wish someone had said it to me when I was playing, because I'm thinking, actually, yeah, it's not a bad crack, actually. You know what I mean? When did it change, Bodes, for like, on the, on the, or when did you realise coaching was um, the journey you wanted to go on? Was it was it quite early in your playing career or was it sort of something towards the end where you, you think you get into it now? Or? I've always been interested in it. I think... Um, Probably the back end of my career, I started doing some work with like some of the, the sort of amateur sides at Doncaster. Um, and I started really enjoying it. Um, and then I just sort of fell into it at Jersey, really. You know, I went to Jersey and then um, an opportunity came up within the staff. Um, and I was I was retiring my neck. I had a neck injury. Um, I pretty much went over there. Ben Harvey was a DOR at the time. And Ben Harvey, I said to him, look, I could come over. I'm a senior player now. I was like 29, 30. I won't be able to play every game. I was pretty upfront with him. I've got, you know, quite a few issues around, like, you know, playing every week. And I started every game for the first 11 games, I think. And then I was literally <laughs> at Christmas. I was, and I think at least the amount of minutes I played was like 72 minutes. And I was like, 
I was broken, went for a scan on my neck and they were just like, they suggested I retire basically as an operation I could have or I could retire. Yeah. Um, being brutally honest, you know, did I have the desire to have an operation, go through rehab and think about getting back? No, I didn't have it. I didn't have that passion anymore to play. And it was more to, my passion was starting to do with helping people and coach. Um, and I fell into it there and I just loved it. And you know, I was really lucky that, and, I, and I'm grateful that Ben Harvey gave me the opportunity to go on the staff and give me a lot of rain to, to coach. And uh, I think we were like bottom of the league that time we stayed up and then it just went from there really. But yeah, I've always enjoyed it. And I think it was not hard. You played against me, Gully. But um, I think um, I, I think I feel like I'm a lot better coach than I am a player. Um, and I feel like I've got a lot more passion for it. I feel like I've got, you know, I feel like, I've, you know, especially the later, you know, like sort of from 26, 27, 28, probably my passion for playing the game started to dwindle a little bit or probably from 27 onwards. And I just feel like I've got a huge amount of passion for coaching and, and, and working with people. And um, I'm really glad that I've got into it and had the opportunity to go into it. So just for those that might not be fully aware of your uh, sort of coaching progress, um, Bode's obviously started at Jersey, um, then on to Carnegie. So if you talk us through from the rest of that up to uh, present day. Yeah, so I also went to Jersey, had four years there, uh, working with uh, Ben Harvey and Harvey Biljon, and they were great for me. Um, I got a lot of exposure to coaching. I got chucked in the deep end a little bit, uh, probably coaching far too much. Uh, there was times where I was coaching you know, um, set piece, breakdown, attack, defense, back starters. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy workload, but I think it was brilliant for me. So I, I learned so many like different aspects of the game. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I've honestly, I think my man management when I was in Jersey was, was pretty atrocious. Um, I, you know, I just come out of playing where I just thought you could scream at everybody and you could, you know, you get results. And, um, hey, that's where, um, sort of coaching and the playing group has changed massively from we, we were playing is how the delivery and what, what players need and, and want is, is so different to what we'd have required. Or maybe we did need it and we didn't know it. It's, it's one of those, it's sort of, it has changed massively, hasn't it? How you deliver. I changed enormously. I think, like I said, I, you won't even so much. Like, I think they, obviously the lads and the, the generation that are coming through now, they need to know why they're doing stuff, and and they need to know um, they need to have input into that, which I think is important. And I'm massively, you know, we, we buy into that massively at Doncaster now. But I think, um, yeah, I look back now on how I coached, especially the first two years at Jersey, and I cringe and I just think. Well, I just think you're an absolute dickhead of a bloke, basically. I, mean, um, I am still a dickhead of a bloke now. <laughs> well, Casey goes at me. I can, I can see it on the tip of his tongue. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just like I said. I think when you, when you put your ego aside as a coach and you actually start to realise that you're absolutely nothing without the players, yeah. um, you start to realise how important they are and how and, and that's and that's the main thing. And I think that's something that I grasp massively. I'll tell you, I worked with, um, who was great for it. Uh, I worked with Jimmy Lowe's at Carnegie. Right. Um, and I think Jimmy, he's come from rugby league and there's parts of his game, which he probably, he's, he's first to admit, he didn't know much about, you know, but as a man manager and, and getting boys on side and keeping them on side and getting them to play for you, I, I think he's one of the best I've ever worked with. Um, so I, I learned a lot from him and, you know, we had plenty of beers that, that, that year and, and plenty of talks and I, I did learn a huge amount from him um, around that, um, which I thought was was, was, re was really important for me because I think that's knowledge was something that I felt like I always had a good knowledge and a good way of getting that knowledge across. But 
that's great. But if half the room think you're a dickhead, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, it doesn't because they don't listen. No. Um, where if you've got them on side straight away and you can and you learn how to work with people. And I've had a lot of, you know, obviously I work with people like Jimmy, but I've, I've had to self-educate myself a lot of stuff as well. And I'm not the most educated bloke, do you know what I mean? Um, I've, had to, I've had to start reading, um, which was tough at first. It was like... <laughs> um, I've had to do a lot of reading and it's definitely helped me uh, yeah. so but yeah that's 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 one one thing I definitely say I've, in, I've improved in but I went to Carnegie from Jersey uh, so Carnegie came in and they sort of I was in contract at Jersey and they sort of got me out of my contract in Jersey so uh, they were going for a big push to the premiership at the time uh, Brian Redpath um, who was there? Jimmy, Alan Tate, and we had a, we had a good push at it. We went got to the the, the champ final against Irish. We came just short, um, and then obviously money problems started to come at the club. Um, and then the last year that was there, they went into administration, um, and it was it was pretty messy. Um, I'll be honest, yeah. We had a really good year. I worked under Chris Sterling then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'll know Sterling. Yeah, uh, I'm still in contact now. Um, yeah, he's an unbelievable bloke. Yet again, man management. I learned a load about how to keep the group in, in a good place. Uh, he's one of the only ones I had that got me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was quite, you know, it's you look back at your career and it, he was he was good for that. And he, he but he understood a, the the whole the whole squad and he had it's the individual conversations with people and that side of it. That's what I really liked about Sterlo. So I bet you're... a lot around that with him. He's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I still I still have a a good chat with him now and just, you know, he's great to just pick pick his brains on a few bits, especially around people. I think he's brilliant around people, Sturlo. Um, I learned a lot from him. Like we've got a saying here at Donny that we saw a little bit from him. It's like, if, you, if you're a weird, weird bloke, then be a weird bloke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, don't don't change to come into our environment. Our environment will 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 like cater for you if that makes sense, and we'll find a way of you fitting in. Um, and that's something that as a staff, I think it's somewhere we can improve. I think we got we, we're doing a decent enough job at it, but I think we can improve massively. Is probably letting those people express itself a little bit more within the group. Do you know what I mean? Giving them more chance to do that. But it's been tough with the COVID stuff, obviously, and not being able to, you know, be within two metres of each other and this and that and the other. Um, it's something we're definitely looking to grow next year. But um, It's such I'm- a great, great saying. It's that, like, I think of players that I've played with or players that I've coached over the years that because they're a little bit different, they probably were didn't feel comfortable in the group when you, they get isolated and then they, they may be performing well, but they're not enjoying themselves, are they? And you, you kind of look like you think, shit, what was I doing? I was being I was a bit of a dickhead to him. Um, that inclusivity is huge. And if you've... That, that expression's great because it does bring them in. And it also, I'll tell you what it does, it grows the individual, it grows the, the alpha within the group as well, or the, the, you know, the more dominant characters that think they know it all and control meetings and do all of this. And if they're always bossing those things and being charged, then they, the person that's not got the same confidence or is a little bit different is not going to be involved in the group. So if that's, you're bringing those in, and that's where the game's changed, isn't it? And that's where we've changed, I think, in society a bit as well. It's sort of, it's huge for, for the development of everybody. It's not just about the certain individual that's dominating every conversation in a meeting, is it? No, no, we've got, I think that's sort of the other thing we try and talk about is and it's something we do as a coaching team here. And it's something that I've been uh, bad for in the past as a coach. I've probably learned a bit more of it. It's like the old, um, you'll, you'll see it, you'll see it on Champ Life. You'll see that all those sort of bits, won't you? you see it's like the, you know, have you watched Huddle? You know, those sort of bits. And it's like, we put clips out, we put reviews out. Now, I am expecting boys to watch it because the boys want to have short meetings. Yeah. So it's like, look, I'm all for it, but 
to have a short meeting, we need to know a little bit what's going on online. I'm asking you to watch five minutes of footage and then we can make the meetings 15 minutes. Yeah. We're, not, we're not boring the life out of you. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes I'll ask a question, look, you know, what's what's the main theme of the review? And it's that everyone's looking at the floor and you're thinking, right, we haven't watched this here. It's <laughs> 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 you know I mean? that, That's an hour of my time being completely wasted sending that review out. But probably three years ago, I'd have probably gone, I'd, I'd, I'd give them a, you know, I'd have gone through them a little bit. Yeah. Four years ago, but now it's just like, look, if you haven't watched it, don't worry about it. Do you know what I mean? But I'd like to think that we should know. Somebody in the room should know something, please. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I think what happens then is most of the boys that haven't watched it think, I really I should have watched that. Yeah. I better watch it next time. But if I'm screaming at him, I think it's a case of going, well, I was gonna, I was gonna watch it, but I didn't get a chance. And then he just talked to me like a piece of shit. So I'm not gonna watch it now. Nah, you may but, lose. Yeah, and then, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I think, and obviously the, we've probably got off track a bit there. But the Carnegie stuff, obviously, um, that just went a bit pear shaped. It was managed. I could say a lot of stuff on that. Um, but uh, and I just think it was managed horrendously, uh, really badly. Um, we're talking about like we've just been talking about your environment and, and managing people um, I just think the way it got handled and the, the lack of like um, just general human compassion was a disgrace um, you know actually it was one of the meetings that's quite funny because the, um, some of the board members came in and basically just came in and spouted loads of garbage and, and basically just told everyone that if they sign a contract it doesn't matter it's done and dusted pretty much um, some of these lads have like moved the families from the other side of the world and stuff yeah. um, and I just got enough of it I was thinking I was getting revved up at the back of the room thinking this isn't going to end well yeah. so my laptop was at the front of the room while this meeting was going on so I stormed down the front of the room to get my laptop to, to leave I couldn't get the <laughs> I couldn't get the charger out of the socket <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up sat there trying to like this in front of, in front of him trying to make a scene of it she was like, the room all the boys were texting me like laptop one bodes nil I was, getting, <laughs> I was getting destroyed like but yeah it was it was just handled horrendously i think um and, and you know i just think that's not the way that people should be treated sorry yeah no in life do you know what i mean sorry Will, but do you know what i mean that's that's my my opinion on it i know there's some the, the shame is as well is there's some good guys there uh and the club's had a the club's been absolutely hammered and rightly so because as far as i'm aware it's still the same board that's in charge um so you know it's my hometown club but you know it got to the point where i was just like look i'm done before it even got to the point where they were cutting um salaries off people this and that and the other i had them a notice and oh. i didn't have a job uh, it was that bad yeah i just i just got to the point where my values yeah you know look i've got a lot of stuff that's i do a lot of stuff that's not great i'm pretty sure do you know what i mean and people don't agree with some of the stuff that i do but um one thing that nobody can ever call me is a liar yeah. you know i'm prepared to have a conversation with somebody that's maybe not what they want to hear but it might be what i want to hear i'm prepared to have that conversation i just and that's all that needs to happen and i think that's where a lot of a lot of businesses, a lot of sport and organisations get it wrong. They just try and wait and wait and wait and wait and not have that conversation. And then it just gets really bad. Do you know what that's, I mean? That's a bit like what's happening with the championship in the RFU, mate. But that's, we just won't say anything and it just keeps going and going and going. And then yeah. it will get brushed under the carpet. And- yeah, and, I, and, 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 that's, and that's where I think, you know, a sign of strong leadership is just to have that conversation and, like, and be prepared to, it's not tough. Like, you know, I found it tough. Um, in what like, the head coach role there's been some big decisions this year that you've had to make and I'll be honest with you um, it's caused a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of sort of you know I've been talking to, to my missus and like she's been <laughs> 
well, you shut up about that. Just, you know what I mean? It's like, but it's, it's been tough. We've been some tough decisions and, but you just got to, you got to do it because otherwise you end up being in a situation where you like try to bury your head in the sand mm-hmm. and what happens, it just comes, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and I've always tried to do that. And I, like I said, I've got a, a same with the boys that I will be brutally honest with them. Um, but if you're brave enough to ask the question and be brave enough to take the answer. And I, I live my life by that and live it all the way as well. Like, do you know what I mean? I've, if you want to know something and you're brave and you want to ask a question and ask it, you but the answer is the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it is what it is. And I think if everyone, if everyone worked like that in life, I think everything would go a lot smoother. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it sounds too simple, doesn't it? So, uh, but you've had the uh, opportunity to work as a player and as a coach at obviously um, two two clubs for long periods of time. Um, we've talked on the show sort of the changes that we've seen in the league. So, obviously, your time at Carnegie and at Knights um, as a player. How do you think it the, the league stacks up in terms of? Uh, I guess it's just its operating environment now. To uh, um, sorry, now as you're a coach, as it did to back then when you were, when you were playing in the league, or were you were were you perhaps a bit unaware of some of the things as a player that you may be more um, you know in contact with now as a coach? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the the games and the environment and the leagues has changed because I think there's I think when I first started coming into the league, you were playing rugby, you were getting paid a bit of money, and it was like brilliant. This is this is awesome. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I was still like. I was still going and doing like jobs for myself in between training and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I was a plumber by trade. And I didn't even think, I don't even bat an eyelid about that now. Where like lads now be going, oh, I can't do that because I need to recover and I need to do this. Which I think it's important. I think it is important that they get that, 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 you know, that professionalism part of it right. But I'm a big believer. Like here, I'm like, look, go and do some of your time. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think there's a lot more of that going on now. I don't think, I think the lads are quite fixated on, on, um, on, you know, being a, a full-time athlete and fully buying into that, which I think is great. I think it's, there's parts of it that are great, but I also think you've got enough free time that you can do a bit more of it. And I thought the lads, when I in my era, although I think you actually get a lot more help now, and it's not, it's still nowhere near where it should be. I think the support that, you know, for especially championship players could be far better than where it is. But um, I actually think lads are more proactive when I was playing to get in, to further in themselves outside the game than they are now. Now, and there wasn't even that much help. I just, I, for me, I think players could do a lot more than what they're doing at the moment. Um, so I think that that side of it was um, was was different um, around. But then again, I think also around the professionalism of of what some of the champ clubs are doing now was nowhere near like what what goes on now. You know, um, I think like you know, like also like you know, you know, the the the, the S and C side of stuff, the medical side of stuff, the nutrition, none of that stuff was even. You know, I remember getting on the bus at Plymouth away and Paul Devlin was the S&C at the time and uh, he comes on with just one at Plymouth and he's giving it the old right boys recovery tights on two litres of water get some really good nutrition you get some greens in you get some protein in you and Lynn Owls walks on behind him with five can- five crates of cider <laughs> and was like shut the fuck up the boys are bothered <laughs> But like, that, that side of it, I think, you know, I think I just think that the, 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 they've got a lot of knowledge these days of the young lads um, around a lot of stuff. And I think that's definitely changed the, the environment that's that's in it. I think the actual product that you're getting on the field, um, I would say is a far better product to watch than when I, than I played. Uh, I agree with that, mate. I think, and I think a lot of that's to do with the, the game has evolved massively. Um, and I probably a lot of what I talked about there. Like, athletes are a lot more professional, so I feel that that's definitely helping the the on field stuff. Um, 
But I also think that the, the league has been branded in an unbelievable environment for set piece and, and and for forwards to and there's a lot of that happening. There's a lot of guys that kick on from the Prem, like we've just lost Bomber now, he's got the Scotland squad, which is unbelievable and massive testament to him. But I actually think there's a lot of rugby getting played. And I think one of the big the biggest positive that's gone on recently with the COVID stuff is that all the games are getting streamed. And I think you can actually watch it. You can even you know you can watch um, a bottom of the table clash. You know, and you could think oh, that's really good rugby. That you know, they're chucking the ball around, they're moving the ball. You know, and I think, and I, and I generally feel that there's a lot more um, ball in play, um, and it's a lot quicker, and it's a lot more expansive than what people make it out to be nowadays. So I think that's definitely changed. Quite interesting because I think um, people are quite quick to to talk down on the championship, and as I say, we we know it's got its challenges, but what you've portrayed there and I think I agree obviously I've been spent seven years around this league now I, I, I agree with what you're saying I think that standards have got higher I think the game's more entertaining and it's probably credit because we know it's not happened through massive amounts of support from Central um, that, that the league has managed to adapt and acclimatise despite the uh, the tough environment that, that the external factors has put upon it Yeah no I think like I said I think every uh, every game you watch this year, you know, there'll have been a cut two or three damp scrubs, I'm pretty sure. Unless you if I actually apologize to supporters behind me at the weekend and said, I'm sorry if you paid for that because it, was, <laughs> it wasn't the best spectacle. But um, I would say the rugby arms display at the weekend was pretty poor, but the actual, um, for our game, but the actual game, the twos and throws, you're a neutral support would be unbelievable. I do think there's some great standard rugby players. I think, I think also, I think, the, I think coaches and, and there's, a lot of really good coaches in the league now. Um, I think that's definitely helping. Um, that we're getting guy, guys that want to win the game, win, win games, but we also want to win it a certain way. Like I think you look at the way that Doncaster played this year. We played a different brand of rugby to what we've done in the past. You know, everybody's moving the ball more. Everyone prepared to move the ball more, which I think is definitely going to help the league. But I think you know, testament to the, the players and the, the league, like you said, without much central funding, we're putting on a product which is is, is fantastic to watch. Um, now, we obviously, if we got better funded and, and we got you know we got helped out in those areas, would that would that even would, you know would that spectacle become even even better? Then I don't think it's going to harm it. Put it that way. Yeah, I also think looking at when you look at the games, and I watched um, Pirates versus Munster. I played in it the VNI Cup game, like reminiscing. I look back at it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is, this is embarrassing." At the time, it's the best thing in the world, isn't it? That you've done, you've you've won a cup. But I, the, the thing that struck me was was one the pitch we played at Camborne, and I know Pen, I know that Pirates are down at Penzance, but they have invested a lot of money into that pitch now. Yeah. So you, watch, you flick on a stream, the pitches look better, don't they? Yeah. As a result, the game's quicker. Yeah. You've got more coaches, better co- better coaches, maybe because it's through a second, third year, third generation of coaches at the club, so they've learned from the previous regime and they've just they're always evolving, and it just becomes a better product. Through and we often look, you know, you will can sit on here and say the funding's not great, but the investment in each club individually yeah. has produced a better product as well. And it's like it's credit to every club that's done that because they, they could have put that money into the players, but they've they've they've, they've spent it well. They've you know they've invested in their pitch, they've invested in a commercial team, you know, a social media team, and you know it's it's great. And it's just it's at a point you think like we just we're at a good good spot at the moment. It's yeah. just, carry on um and hopefully it can with with what the rfu do agree in the end but it's it's 
I think sometimes we do forget what each club has done individually to get where we are now. Uh, it's quite easy to just slam other people, but I think fair play to the clubs. Yeah, I think the commitment when there's the, the moment, you know, it's, it's tough for everybody. Obviously, there's a worldwide pandemic on, so you, you, you're fully aware of that. But I think, um, I also think testament that the level of rugby that's getting played, like you're saying there, Gully, and there's a worldwide pandemic on, and we're not getting funded to the extent we should have been, and we're still putting that product out, is even a greater achievement. Um, and, I, and like I said, testament to players from all the league and all the coaches, because it's a, it's a really easy opportunity for clubs as well to just go... Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, and down tools. But I think one thing I think we, you know, as a championship, I think has definitely got a huge feather in the cap for us this year is that we have we have behaved like a professional outfit. You know, that simple as that. Um, you know, we're a professional league and we behave like a professional league the whole way through this. Now, yes, there's ongoing arguments and, and, and discussions around funding that we need funding like a professional league, but we perform, we, we have, we have hit a criteria that we have, you know, we have performed like a professional league. So, you know, their discussions is up to them, but we're, we're, I, for me, and it's only my opinion and people might say I don't count for much, but it's my opinion and we've hit that, we've hit that for me. So that's every club. Yeah. Every like club. An, an impressive defiance. Almost, as you say, um, operate like a professional league, put on a professional product and perhaps what's coming from above hasn't been. So, I mean, let's let's have a look and a bit of a talk about the future. I know we can only talk about what we know and what's been specula- speculated about um, in the papers and on social media. Bodes, I know that you are now underway with prepping for next season. Knowing the bloke that you are, you'll probably give me an answer along the lines of you not concerned what they talk about. You'll just focus on what we're doing here and all this, which... It's credit to it. It's working so far. But if you, you know, if you had any sort of say on what the future might look like, a realistic opinion on what the league might look like going forwards, where would you sort of, uh, where would you point your arrow? What, what, what would be your suggestions? I'd, I'd love to see it being a, a like a full time professional team, uh, a professional league, um, where you'd have every side full time. Um, I do feel that, like I said. I think that the investment in facilities has been fantastic and you've seen things like, you know, some people are at different stages up on this journey. You know, you look at Amtel, um, that you can, you can easily go to Amtel and say, well, the facilities aren't, the facilities aren't great at the moment, but they've actually invested hugely in those facilities and they're getting better and better and better. I know they've got plans to move to a different ground and all these sort of things. So, you know, you've got a tippy hat, like Amtel, fantastic. They're doing everything that needs to be done. But I'd like to see some sort of a full-time, uh, every, every club full-time and then maybe, percentage of that funding has to go on on like a criteria to be in the league if that makes sense so it's pushing that product like Galu was saying like you know what I mean it might be a pitch it might be a stand it might be um, some sort of off-field stuff but I'd like to see that and I feel like it should mirror the premiership do I feel like the premiership should be ring-fenced absolutely not um, it's easy for me to say that obviously being a club that's got you know hopefully at some point ambitions to get there um, you know we've got a, a, a lot of stuff to tick off on our journey um, but I'd like to see that there's a fair pathway between the two leagues. Um, that's what I think, you know, would make sense. Does that mean that you go around the France route where um, bottom of the, the Prem plays bottom of uh, top of the champ to go up and then that team gets that fair funding? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's more than fair. You've got to remember that these clubs in the Prem are getting heavily financed. Um, and if you're a team that's top of the championship and you can beat that team at the bottom of the Premiership, then I think that's fair game. I said that they've got the advantage straight away. You know, it's not a million miles off ring fence with the, the two million pound or whatever they get. You know what I mean? 
Um, I, th- I think listening to sort of opinions, I think fairness, fairness, transparency, and sort of on-field merit are the three things that need to be almost held sacrosanct. You know, if if you if you beat the team that you're in front of you on the day, or you finish top, or whatever, you win a playoff, then you deserve to be in the league, and it needs to be fair. And the route there needs to be transparent for all to see. Because if nothing else, you know, rugby union can be a little bit of a confusing game for those that aren't involved with it. Without, you know, I've got football fans and you try and explain to them that premiership clubs are shareholders. You know what do you mean they're yeah. shareholders? I thought you were rugby clubs. It, it, it makes the whole job a little bit confusing. So, no, I think I think we agree with that a bit. I know you've been reading up on some stuff, Gully. Oh, yeah, it was the um, Owen Slot article that was a day just saying about how successful ring fencing would be and... There's no, without jeopardy, the league has, has, has proven that it works this year, um, Premiership Rugby. And I think Ben Ward touched on it last week. It's, And I think Bayes may be similar, is that if, as a player or as a fan, I'd rather watch a, a 25, 26 you know, game with a last-minute drop goal that wins it than a, a 65, 35, no-one-cares defence game. And and then I, I read the article today and it was off the back of... I know there's been some heavy results in, in the Championship this league with the year with Saris, but I think that's different because there is a funding thing there. But then if you look at the Exeter game on Sunday where they put 70-odd on... on yeah. um, Newcastle, then I just think it, it just it's not a great advert for the game, is it? That sort of results at that level is not good. And it, I think it proves the opposite to what Owen Slot is saying. I think it proves that ring fencing isn't any good and we do need promotion relegation. Um, because if I'm a, a big investor in the premiership and I'm seeing results like that, I'm questioning my investment. Um, if I'm BT Sport, I'm questioning it. I, I'm, am I going to put a new, that game on again? Probably not. <laughs> so it's... You know, it's. I think the promotion relegation, I think the fairness is key. I think that's so good. And I think what you've just said, Bose, and what Ben Ward said last week about if you have an opportunity to go and beat a team on the field and you lose, you've had the opportunity. But yeah. if you go and win, fair play. And yeah. that's, that's what I think everyone's after, that fairness. And if that's the way it needs to go, then I'm all for it. But if it goes the other way, then I think we need to kick up a bit of a fuss. <laughs> I said, like, that, that the game, yeah, would that game, would that result have happened if there was relegation involved with the extra, you know, Newcastle? Would, would that have happened? I don't know. I'd be gobsmacked if it did. Mm. You know, um, you know, also, I think that, you know, it's, it's common sense that if there's, if they lock it off and they'll say they locked it off for good, mm. they're talking about that, you know, there's been some really, I think, some really, um, I have to be careful what I say. But there's been some there's been some really uneducated uh, answers uh, or like sort of um, comments around the, the championships not creating you know um, you know talent. It's not pushing talent through. It's like well that's a ludicrous comment to make when it's proven it does. Yeah. Not just at Premiership level, but these guys are going on and playing international rugby, and these aren't guys that have just gone and had a. And you, you highlight it on this uh, on this podcast brilliantly, but these aren't guys that have just gone and gone. Oh, I'll, I'll have eighty minutes, um, and then I'm I'm done for the year. These guys have played regular Championship rugby, and they're kicking on to doing brilliant things. Now you've seen it. Now we're recruiting at the moment, and we've got a few. We've, you know, we've done quite a lot of our business, but we've got about five or six slots to fill. And we're looking at some loan deals, and some lads are just getting farmed out now because they're just not going to play. Yeah. So where do these lads play then? If it's ring fenced, tell me where they're playing. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't, I don't know, you know. So then you're going to get lads now. They can't go to France because there's rulings over there. Um, you know. I, I just don't see the, the sense in that. I, you know, these lads are coming to us now on a season-long loan, but it's basically like he will not play. He hasn't played this year. He won't play all next year because there's, there's no A-League. Um, so then the next step, he could not have played for two, two and a half years. 
And this kid's a lot of 22 years old. And they're pretty well, useful, just, these players as well, that are coming through, aren't they? You know what I mean? They're, they're good players, but if you don't play for two and a half years... Then you say, then you say, why Why is that? So then then at the moment, at the moment this year as such, the, the premiership is ring-fenced. Hmm. But then how is their path being blocked? Now, is it an English qualified player that's blocking their path? No, it's not. Right. So what... Tell me what that's ticking off for the English game then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But I mean, like I said, I'm, as I alluded to, I'm not a much educated person, but it doesn't make sense to me, you know, because um, surely the best thing for English rugby will be to have two full-time leagues, promotion, relegation, and having as many English players playing in that league as possible. Um, yeah. I agree. And the, the, the English qualified boys that are blocked, and if you look in your area at Sale, they're blocked by South Africans. And I know yeah. there's a different international law on, on, on um movement of employment there which i'm not fully aware of myself but i know there is a new, the reason why you can have a lot of south africans but that is blocking an english qualified player yeah <laughs> I, I just don't think well the, the be all end all is is you know you know work visas permits this from whatever country you're coming from can that player go and play for, for england mm. no right well there's your answer you know it's simple as that it's it's, it's like and and surely the idea is is to create as much you know um, English talent as possible. The other thing as well is is that everyone's talking about finance and how finance has been tough and this and that and the other. The people that are those heavily financed players in the Premiership are, are probably overseas players. You know, so yeah, again, you know, I don't see that adding up. But um, yeah, like I said, I've I've got a lot of stuff on my plate here, so I'll concentrate on that. But um, I, yeah, I, I just like I just feel it's. It, one, if we're all aiming towards the best thing for the English game, I think two full-time professional leagues with as many full, full-time full professional um, players vouching to, to kick on and 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 help the national side. I think that's a, that's a, an outstanding sort of product that we can we can get to. I think we've proven as well this year that the product. Yes, we want as much investment as possible in the championship. That's that's a no-brainer. As do the Premiership. So you know you know we're supporting that as well. But you know I think we've proven that we can we can make a pretty good product on pretty low numbers this year. So I think a little bit more finance would you know enhance that product even more uh, and helping us will be even more which I think is the be-all, end-all everyone's after. Personally, yeah, that's really a really nice. powerful point. And as you say, if we're, if we're not doing this to create more strong English talent that can ultimately go on and play for the national side, then um, I think the objectives are all out of line at the start point. So, Bose, thank you very much for coming on today's show. You've been a fantastic guest. Congratulations on a cracking season with Doncaster Knights and uh, enjoy the, the few weeks off before pre-season starts again. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. And uh, like I said, thanks for having me on. I think it's... Uh, what you're doing for the uh, the championship's brilliant. I think it's uh, giving a little bit of a voice, but also giving some exposure to a lot of the good stuff that's that's going on. Because I think there's some brilliant stuff going on. So well done, guys, and keep it up. It's brilliant. It's appreciate it. Cheers, both. Appreciate that, mate. That was the Championship Club podcast with Michael Casey and Ben Gulliver. Check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe and like our YouTube channel.